I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I am here. <laughs> it has been a week. We have done a lot of recording and had it's a lot Wednesday. of- yeah, we are recording late. Uh, we apologize for all of our Patreon supporters, um, but we wanted to make sure you still got an episode this week. So here we are. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and uh, do a, another questions episode because you are so lovely and have sent them in. Uh, we are going to go through them. And if you have questions for us and you want to send those in to us, you can send those in at podcast at blizzardwatch.com you can go ahead and specify what show the question is for remember we have three of them folks uh just specify what they're for so we don't fight for them you can send them in on discord we have a patron q and q and podcast questions channel it's a tongue twister folks i have Uh, lost count of how many times i've called out a podcast (laughs) it's it's too many uh, but we give our Patreon supporters uh, basically a little bit of a first billing as a way of saying thank you for helping us keep the lights on. And if you're not a Patreon supporter or can't support us on Patreon, still want to send us a message on Discord, we have a podcast and Q questions channel. We will look there for questions as well. And in every case, again, specify what show it's for. We're going to get things started here. And this one's going to start from Shadana. Uh, listening to the latest Lore Watch, which is probably two ago now. Uh, in which Joe wonders if we will end Dragonflight with only one Dragonflight. I was thinking about it, and when I looked over at my computer screen and saw the little the the title of the expansion, Dragonflight, not Dragonflights, I think Joe's onto something. Oh well, thank you, Shadna. If they did form one flight, would Alex Straza be the logical leader? And while I'm asking questions, when Deathwing was killed, do you think he went to the Shadowlands as Deathwing or as Neltharian? What was his essence? If this is an obvious answer from playing Shadowlands, I checked out the expansion after nine point one. Uh, other than tour gas runs. So a couple of questions here. One, I'm going to start with the, the Deathwing dying thing. We don't know. 
We don't know what happens to a dragon when it dies. As far as we know, the only confirmed dragon to make it to the Shadowlands was Ysera, and she was sent there. Um, I posited a few weeks ago that there might be a mechanism in place similar to Antorus for dragons when they die uh, in the Halls of Infusion and that whole uh, facility, because that is a massive, massive facility uh that has not just multiple dungeons in it uh but multiple like rings of depth and and titan machinery and all sorts of weirdness there uh so i we don't know what happened to deathwing we don't know what happened to his essence or his soul or whatever his anima was and we also don't know if he if when he was killed like he snapped out of it and became Neltharian again for a moment or if he just stayed uh, crazy pete uh, aka deathwing we, we have no idea it just, it has never been, no one has ever said anything about it. I would absolutely love though, to get some exploration on that. And that's one of the things that I'm curious if we're going to get into this expansion. And I, I think that we might start getting into the whole life, death and rebirth of dragons because Dragonflight itself has brought into question. What is mortality? Uh, not Shadowlands surprisingly enough, but, but Dragonflight, because we're literally, and this is some mild spoilers here, there's a quest chain to basically bring Tyr back to life. And if you can do that with Tyr, could you do that with other things? And if there was something to catch the dragons, could you, or dragon essence or soul, could you go ahead and put them in a new shell or put them in a new egg and have a new hatchling born of their essence? Or was it already done and what you're looking at with Rathion is uh, a purified, distilled version of Deathwing. Who knows? You filter it over charcoal to make sure it's extra smooth. Literally over charcoal. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we have no idea on that one. But the dragon flight singular thing, that is an interesting pr- uh, proposition. I don't know that Alex Straza would lead. I don't know that she has it in her anymore. I don't know that she cares too much to do it anymore. With, again, some mild spoilers, we know Ysera has no intention on basically staying where she is now. Uh, she can't, but she's passing the torch. The others all seem primed to do it as well. It's already happened in the case of the Blue Dragon flight, where Caligos, the torch was passed to him a long time ago, and he's just now stepping up into that leadership role like he should have a long time ago. But I don't know if Alex Straza steps up. Or she just lets the dragons make their own choices. Because I think she's also struggling with a little bit, I don't want to say anxiety, but the stuff that happened with the primalists and the the incarnates and the things that happened with the division in the dragon race, I think she partially feels responsible for. There's some guilt there. And I don't know if that will keep her from leading again. I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that, Matt? Have you ever seen Space Mutiny, the MST3K version, not the original? <laughs> yeah. There's that part where the, the captain goes, I-, I can't help but feel like I failed. And they have one of the people say, you did, Daddy. Uh, it's kind of like that. If she feels responsible, it's because she is responsible. I mean, not solely responsible. Um, they were all involved in it. But I do think, I, the thing is, is that Alex Strasa is kind of like, like uh, Anduin was. She tries very hard to lo- love everybody and view everybody as equals. And somebody's like Razageth is literally trying to kill her, and she's like trying to talk her out of it. Um, I'm not saying that that's a bad approach or that you shouldn't love life or whatever. It's great for the aspect of life, but it might not be the best person to be in charge in certain situations. 
it's it's feasible that you might want somebody a little bit more aggressive because you were talking before about you know maybe they stuck uh deathwing's essence in a new body or something i don't know if they have or not but honestly a non-crazy deathwing would probably be pretty useful right about now like a, a like a Neltharian who isn't like off his nut uh he was a probably pre, a pretty old god deal one yeah because we need somebody to do the other side of the argument I don't know that that means, I, I don't know if it means that anybody should quote unquote lead. Do they need a queen or a king? Can't they, could they have like, you know, every dragon count, you know, dragons are huge, powerful creatures. Couldn't they all kind of count? I don't know. Um, I'm sort of just like going through this in my head. I just think that it's, there's definitely a, a story to be told about Alex Straza getting a chance to rest because think about the past 20, 30 years from Alex Straza's perspective. She gets, like, you know, abducted, basically forced into like, you know, captive breeding to generate an army for the orcs, uh, finally escapes from that manages to chase Deathwing off, but she's no sooner gotten that dealt with than you know, oop, Deathwing's back. And now I have to come out. And meanwhile, of course, she was also involved in the whole thing with the Lich King before that. It's just, you know, the war with Malagos. There's just, there's been a lot. It's been a lot. And I, I, can't help but think that maybe it, it doesn't necessarily need to be Alex Straza calling the shots all the time, not because she isn't good at doing it, but because she clearly needs a break, like a break to actually rest, not a break where more bad stuff keeps happening, but she doesn't, you know, you know what I mean? I, I just feel like it would be interesting to see a post, a post leader dragon flight when where that you don't have a specific person in charge telling everyone what to do. Yeah, where, where, where it's like every voice is being heard this time, where it's not just five dragons ruling them all or even, you know, five dragons ruling them all with one sitting above even those five as well. Because don't forget, like, Alex Straza was referred to as Queen of the Dragon Flights. There's a reason for that. Uh, she was sort of put in that de facto leader position. And I don't know that it was it's something that she would want to keep going, like Matt said. But maybe it's a thing where she finally breaks down and says, no, we've done this too long. Every, like Matt pointed out, dragons are big, powerful creatures. Maybe they just all get a seat at the table. It's all one dragon flight, but they all get to decide collectively what's best for dragon kind, as opposed to one just saying, you're going to do this, and that's how it's going to be. So uh, hopefully that answers your questions, but we're going to move on to our next one. And this one is from our friend Roxy. I'm working on the all signs of the story achievement, and one of the stories you must complete involves Tarjean the Blind, a Desjardin exile who sits alone on the side of the Obsidian Citadel. He will tell you stories in return for skulls of impressive dragons. In one of his tales called The Warlord, he discusses the tale of the first Desjardin warlord and her journey to unite the Desjardin tribes. He mentions that she decided to have her tribe fight the dragons while the weaker tribes fought weaker enemies, Knolls, Tuscar, and the Underdwellers. Who do you think these Underdwellers are? Yours truly, Roxy. What do you think, Matt? Who do you think the Underdwellers are? Uh, you're looking at what I think patch 1.10.1 is going to be about, so keep that in mind. Uh, I've thought for a long time now that the Underdwellers are possibly either some offshoot of the Akir. Um, so, you know, like the the Anubisath, I mean, the, you know what I'm talking about. The Anubrakhan's people, uh, the Nerubians, or the Karaji, or the Mantid, something like that. And possibly we, just the Akir themselves. Or the Naraki, who we also know are dwelling underground and also know 
come forth from time to time. But basically that kind of thing. I think it's an underground, one of the underground races. And uh, there is uh, also a like basis for that too on the Dragon Isles, Forbidden Reach in particular, right? Because during mm-hmm. during the Forbidden Reach, we go into one of the old forgotten vaults. Uh, if you are a uh, Drakthir, to try to get some of your friends out, and you, it's overrun by insects, noxious, poison spitting insects that look very familiar to things we just got done fighting in Nazoth's perfect vision of the Black Empire. Plus, I mean, if you go into the uh, Obsidian Citadel and you go down into the basement, into the holding cells, there's a gigantic spider monster in there. Yep. I mean, in the the Jardin, for all their weak hill dragons, don't don't exactly let it go. They they attack it. So, yeah, I, I think it could be. I My theory is it is something related to the underground. It might be old god related. It might just be, you know, that that's the origin of them, the way that it is for the uh, Akir and so forth. I'm not, I don't, I don't have an opinion on that yet. Yeah. And there's a number of things it could be as well, because we just, we, in Legion, we talked about uh, with the high mountain tribes and why can I not remember the race of the, the, the not completely evil trogs, the ones that were drug bar. Yeah. The drug bar. They're not, Uh, well, first off, they, they, they're not trogs. I forget what they are. They're like trolls and, and trogs, like they're in in between. I forgot what oh, they're, they're they're a Titan Forge race. We yeah, know that much. They, that was mentioned, but it could be something like that as well. There could be a race of them uh, that hangs out uh, underneath and may have been, you know, troublesome at some point. Um, they do hang out in an area, at least the ones called uh, the one the drug bar we have met hang out in an area called the Necro Dark, which is not exactly a uh, above ground place. <laughs> um, and I believe there is a hint from Zalatath that the Drogbar are failed Titan creations and that there's might be a reason why the Drogbar were once slaves to the black dragon aspect there. That origin could be on the dragon Isles. It could be that Neltharion discovered them there and maybe that's where they got their origin from and spread thereafter because he had a lair in High Mountain. There's an area where he hung out over there, and we obviously are going into his vaults and going to be doing some exploration in his labs. And that is, I'm pretty sure they confirm that it's underground, like it's in the deep places, which would make sense for one that was made to guard the deep places. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, Drogbar pop back up, and maybe those are the deep ones. But it could also be bugs. There's, there's always the possibility of bugs. I think that really is it, unless you have anything else you want to add in there. No, I think that pretty much answered it. Our next question comes from Tetsemi. Uh, Question for Lorewatch. How do you reconcile your character's headcanon with a storyline in game that they feel like they don't belong in? The most recent Dragonflight storyline, mild spoilers for this one, you might want to skip ahead about five, ten minutes maybe. Uh, The most recent Green Dragonflight storyline involving the invasion of the Emerald Dream that my orc warrior participated in, they just felt completely out of place and almost embarrassed to be involved in. They were there at Teldrassil. They invaded the Dark Shore with the Horde forces. They have to be in Taronda's top five least favorite people. The only justification I can muster is that they went to the Maldrax's Covenant because they are a defender and felt it was their best fit. So I can sort sort of see that they'd call them to uh, call upon them to help defend in the situation, but it would be awkward at best. 
Matt, I know you have strong feelings about some of the storyline choices that were made revolving around Lake Teldrassil and stuff like that. What do you think about that? Because I, I definitely have opinions, but how would you, how do you reconcile that with your headcanon for your character? I mean, there's a reason I haven't been able to get myself to play my Tauren in a few years now. Uh, and it's because I can't. Like, my Tauren, I didn't really think about what I was doing when I started the quest chain to, to open up Battle for Azeroth until we get to a certain point, And then I realized, oh man, yeah. And then I just stopped and I haven't played him since. Uh, his personal timeline ends just before the burning of Teldrassil when I realized what was going to happen. Uh, he just straight up is, is not. He's like, no. So yeah, I, I don't. Uh, if, if the storyline goes too far, I am out. And if that means that I don't play a faction anymore, that's what it means. Um, I, I cannot... I'm not telling anybody else what to do or what to think, but I personally cannot get past certain actions. So yeah, I, I don't, that's maybe not a really great answer. It certainly isn't a helpful answer, but it is, it is the truth. Well, um, I am incapable of reconciling certain things. I think the problem is that it is a, it's, it's a deeply personal answer, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody is going to have, their own view of their character, especially if you care about yeah, and a lot the of people story. don't care at all. And I've yeah. had people tell me that I should just get over it because it's just a game and I shouldn't care. But if I didn't care, why would I keep playing it? There's lots of games. I mean, if we I didn't care, we wouldn't have this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't care, why would I even? Why would I do any of this in the first place? Um, so that doesn't work for me. And there was a, a lot of storytelling back in the original. Uh, days of world of warcraft that that highlighted that the forsaken were kind of creepy and weird and not always good to be around but they did it in a way that didn't make you feel bad for playing a forsaken you know i mean it was obviously this person not the the entire group uh but when the the entire horde was pretty much there for the burning of the the whole military every every play and every pc is going through it Mm -hmm. It, it's like you can't really say well my character wouldn't do that because they didn't give you an out uh, they didn't give you the, hey, I could say, you know, F this and try to help evacuate people, even though they're like, what is this Torin doing? And you can't communicate with them, but you're grabbing them and trying to get them out of the way. It's like, it just keeps running off with people and then coming back and grabbing more people. He's, what is he doing? That That's not an option. So <clears throat> I think if you are the kind of player who wants to keep playing your faction and their faction does something that you just absolutely can't see yourself doing, if you're capable of it, just say they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's up to you. Uh, everyone's different. Uh, but I would, I would have no difficulty with people saying, you know, well, my character didn't do that because your character, you only have as much control over the story that the game gives you as the game gives you, but you have as much control over the story in your own head as you want. So I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a good person for this question. Yeah. For, for me, there was a thing where I, I had a running dialogue and story for my character loader from the very first expansion all the way through. Like I wrote stories involving my character. I was involved in RP with it uh, for a very, very long time. And there's been a lot of quests over the years that uh, didn't sit right or didn't feel right. And so the game didn't really give me a way to express that. And it's sort of, forced me through things like the burning of Teldrassil that I wouldn't have participated in. And in my personal justification or my personal headcanon, when I write the story down of what my character was doing is that 
when he like this is just me and again this is my choice on it even though i d- took the actions in game that's not what my character would do not not to me instead he essentially defected would refuse to participate and was trying to help heal the wounded alliance to get them out of there as much as possible because that's what he do he's a healer he's not a he's not a warrior like that and life is sacred to him that's a core belief to the character and so when that realization happened it was get as many women and children and and non-combatants out as you could get any warriors that are down healed especially when he saw what was happening with uh the the valkyr raising the alliance into uh caricatures of uh, of life uh, and this is in his mind like seeing them twisted and brought back from from death into uh service and pressed into service to to Sylvanas he was not about that that was not what he he signed up for that was not what he was supposed to be doing there and so he just went around and tried to not get caught while trying to save as many people as he could and he understands that the damage that was done between the alliance and the horde because of that actions and that was the weight that like sat upon him and when he got to the Shadowlands, that's part of why he threw himself into rescuing as many of the damned souls as he could, because that wasn't where they were supposed to be. That wasn't what was supposed to happen to them. And he felt this in- incredible guilt about it, uh, to the point where he would have submitted himself to Tehran's wrath should she have asked for it, because he can't reconcile that he was even remotely like involved in that in any destructive capacity, especially the burning of uh, the a world tree to a shaman. That's massive. That's the world screaming. That's the elements like being tortured and like that sends ripples. Druids aren't the only ones that would feel that at least to me. And so everything since then has been my character loader trying to find some form of penance for his part in that whether it was hunting down Sylvanas, whether it was uh, trying to aid the Alliance in any any way he could, uh, whether it was sending wounded soldiers back to their homes and loved ones as often as he could and making sure as many innocents got back, that's the way that it plays out in my head, right? So, but again, Matt's right. It's a deeply personal choice. And if you decide that it's not something your character would do, there's no harm in saying, I just didn't do this. Right. It gets a little weird when the game refers to it because there are a couple interactions with Toronto that that basically cement it. But I mean, you got to flub it a little bit, I guess, because the game well, is for that matter. It's quite possible. Toronto just assumes every horde was involved. Yeah. Oh, I mean, all of you, all of you look the same. Stupid little fox like, people. Te- technically, we weren't even here yet. Shut up. <laughs> still um, friends with them. OK, she's mad. I don't, I don't want to get too close to the mad lady. Yeah. So, I mean, only you can make a choice that will tell you what's best. Uh, so I would I would go with whatever you feel is best for your character. All right, we're going to move on to the next one here. And this one is from, unless there's anything else you want to add, Matt. Nope. We're going to move on to Metalzani. Question for Lorewatch. Adjust, adjust your tinfoil hat. Is there a possibility that the Oath Stones we are reactivating are the same five torches Ilganoth talks about in his five keys to open our way, five torches to light our path quote. Also with, yes, 
let me finish the the question and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, also, with Khadgar poking around, would this be when the Lord of Ravens turns the key? With Matt talking about the flashback to the Black Empire with Nazoth, that would fit the quote, Your coming was foretold in the rings. The long circle is nearly complete. Or a presence, something new yet familiar, yes? Am I crazy, or does all this fit a little too well? Matt, go. I mean, yes, that is possible. I, I don't, like, what else is there to say? Yes, your theory is possible. It's plausible. I mean, it's pretty much stuff we've been saying all along. I don't know specifically if Khadgar is the Lord of Ravens. I mean, there's other people who have associations with Ravens, like Kurtolos Ravencrest and Odin. Remember Odin? Yeah, Odin Odin is definitely still active. We know he's still active and around, and he is definitely a Raven Lord. Yeah. In fact, if you're a night elf and you go to Stormheim, uh, when you land in, in one of the settlements, there's a, one of, one of Odin's Ravens is there and it gives you a dirty look because of the, what, uh, Ravencrest did to the Ravens of Odin, you know, sent millennia ago at this point, uh, there, there's seriously stuff going on there. There's, a. There's an element of that that we don't, we still don't know. So we don't know who the Raven Lord is. Uh, it could absolutely be Odin. It doesn't have to be Cadgar. Yes, Cadgar's got Raven associations too, but um, for that matter, so did Medivh. Um, well, I think that's and, what I think that's what Metalzani is sort of referring to, since Cadgar yeah. is now the the wielder of Atiesh. Yeah, but you know, Medivh isn't dead. He's not here, but he exists. So he's not out of the running just because he hasn't been around in a while. Um, there's, there's a lot of possibilities, but I, I do think you're, you're right in that it does all feel kind of plausible. The five torches thing. I'll admit that hadn't occurred to me, but the second you said it, I'm like, yeah, that could absolutely be the case. The thing about they, the prophecy type stuff is it's, it's vague enough yep. that it could fit a lot of possibilities. It could be world trees. I mean, we've seen one burn up. Uh, you know, I think Anne wrote a post about that a long time ago that about the five, like five world trees and coordinating them out and everything. Yeah. So we have yet to see, but certainly what you have said is absolutely plausible and within the scope of what we've got so far. Well, and let's, let's take that a step further too, right? We've been talking about what world tree Ilganoth was supposed to be in because he was, Ilganoth was in a world tree when we first encounter him. But only one one that only existed in the uh, Emerald Dream, not one that existed in, in the world. Yet. What are we doing this expansion? I mean, we're not growing a world tree to my knowledge. We, absolutely, again, we absolutely are. The Emerald Dream stuff, right? The Emerald Dream stuff with the tree, with the seed of the seed to protect it, to grow it, to nurture it, to turn it into what is presumably a, going to be another world tree. Like, we're, we're planting a seed. We are literally planting a seed. Like there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff around the old god uh, prophecies, and that's right though it is it is vague enough that it could fit a lot of things, but a lot of this seems to line up pretty well. Um, the circles though, that one I I I still maintain that those are Titan souls because every time we saw a Titan soul or the the equivalent therein, it was represented as a, a circle of constellation stars, which seems to make sense. Also at one point in time you could look up in Deep Home, I think it was, uh, and you could see literally a ring of stars in the pink sky. The well, which I guess the pink barrier between realms. So there could be something there. The Ravenlord turning the key is an interesting bit because as Matt pointed out, it could be a number of things. But I'm gonna come back to, you know, a while ago where during the battle for Azeroth when we were facing off against Nazoth, 
Alduar was cut off from the connection. We don't know why. We don't know what's happening up there. We have not been back there. We haven't gone to see Odin. We haven't gone to see Mimron. We have no idea what the heck is going on in one of the largest Titan facilities and research centers that has existed that we know of. Um, And if Odin's doing something, if Odin's messing with something or trying to fix something or, or whatever it is, there's a chance that that could be referring to it. The other thing it could be referring to is Odin could have done something in the past, right? Again, the prophecies, time is weird in WoW. And with us going back in time to the Black Empire and showing everything that would happen, we know that there was an old god infection in the Halls of Infusion. We know that it seeped in somehow, and that's how Galakrond turned into what he did. The The memories of Tyr, the, the journals that you find when you go through uh, Aldemon, the new Aldemon, tells you flat out that the old gods corrupted the process and needed to be, that process needed to be dealt with. That could have also been something that happened because of Odin. We don't know. And whatever Odin's choice at the time could have led to, I think it was Cthune that, was it Cthune or was it Yogg that infected it? In the- I think it was Yogg, but I don't remember. Yeah. That it could have legitimately led to Yogg getting the opportunity to reach out. Uh, it could also be a result of the war between Helia and Odin, which saw uh, his little slice of Valhalla being shunted away into its own pocket dimension and quote unquote prison. Actually, we're kind of missing something here. Go for uh, it. It's a much easier idea. If we already knew before we ever saw those things from Oldemon, we knew that Logan had helped Yogg deliberately infect the, uh, the various forges that created Titan forged mm-hmm. with the curse of flesh, whether that means he activated a backup program. I don't know, but we, we knew that that was the case. So it's not like we also know that Loken was interested in what Tyr was doing. And at one point, Tyr and Loken were corresponding. It's quite possible that Loken attempted to get in, like to gain access and figure it out for himself. And that's how Yogg got in. Mm. There's, there's ways to have done it that we, we haven't really thought about very much. Yeah, there's, there's a decent chunk uh, that, that could lead to opportunity. But I think we're getting to a point where we're going to start to see Maybe some of those prophecies start to tumble into place, um, like the going back in time and causing uh, Nazoth to, quote unquote, win, even though he, quote unquote, lost. Uh, there's so much and us doing so much time travel. It's that's interesting because it, it, it complicates things. It complicates things so much. Plus, you have the infinite dragonflight running around doing whatever they're doing, which further complicates it. And we know Nazoth is... That just raises further questions. Yeah, when we know that Nazoth is aware of the infinite dragonflight, because literally he sees a bronze dragon and an infinite dragon fighting each other. He knows they exist. He knows about them. It's not just a possibility. It's a certainty that they exist. So there's there's a lot. And I want to revisit this in maybe a patch. I want to revisit this question and see if we get anything more. So, I mean, we, we already know the PTR for patch uh, 10.0.7 is uh, is coming soon. Yes. And we've already been told what's in it. Um, we know that they we're returning to the Forbidden Reach. We're going to get to figure out the origins of the Drakthir, or at least find out more about them. Um, we probably will find out more about what Nilth- Nilthario was doing and why he was there. Uh, are we going to find out why Nizoth 
managed to pick his brains? Like, wh- how? What was the connection between Neltharion and Inzoth? Where where did it come from? Yeah, how did how did that connection get made? Where where was the handshake? How did how did Nizoth know that he existed? Right. I mean, for that matter, I mean, they all had like all of the old gods had managed to find ways to reach out beyond their prisons. Um, Cthulhu actually managed to break his, as did Yogg at the end. Um, but they were all in prison for a long time, and they could still reach out. So Nizoth being imprisoned and reaching out isn't the issue. The issue is why Neltharion was Nelth- you know where was Nizoth? We know. When we went to Ashar's Eternal Palace, we went to the prison of, of, of Nazoth, but we don't actually know where it is because we didn't get there. It wasn't in Nihilotha. Remember, we traveled to it from, from the uh, Eternal Prison. We, we travel to Nazoth's prison. It's not right there. So, And neither is Ashar's Eternal Palace in, uh, I want to say Nihilotha, but it's not the right place. Najatar. Uh, Nazjatar, it's not there. There's a way to it from there, but it itself is not physically there. So where is it? Where was Nazoth's prison at the time? Because keep in mind that when that all happened, the world hadn't been sundered yet. Yeah, that's true. So, and Nazoth's prison was in water versus mm-hmm. all of the other ones. Like when we find Yog Saran, he's in a pool of serenite. Like it's yeah, not his own blood. His own blood. It's not liquid. It's it's serenite. Uh, I mean, it is liquid, but it's not water. Uh, not in the traditional sense. Uh, we know that y- Yasharaj, when he, it was plucked, because I don't want—I don't know the pronouns of the seven-headed old god. Um, no, well, all the pronouns he and she is, and it, it, you know, they're all—you know—we should probably call them all they. Yeah. So when they were plucked from uh, the the face of Azeroth, what filled in and became the Well of Eternity was the blood of Azeroth being channeled through whatever Titan Titanic forces and, and workings and facilities were placed there. Um, when we find uh Cthune, Cthune's buried in the desert. Like it is, it, there, there's no water anywhere to be seen. Wasn't always a desert. Sure. But the only one that's associated with water out of the ones that we know of for sure are Nazoth, whose prison was underwater and would make sense why he reached out and turned, uh, 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 wow, Azara, words are hard yeah, today, sure. man. Yeah, boy, oh, yeah. <laughs> turn, turn, turn them into Naga and essentially her into Ursula, uh, because now your servants can attend to your prison and maybe do stuff underwater uh, where you're trapped. Uh, and then the only other one that I think is even tangentially associated with it is Yasharaj and every, like the Veil of Eternal Blossoms and that whole that whole thing as well with their 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 version of the Well of Eternity and purifying underneath the water, purifying the infection when you go into the facility, which happens to have a whole lot of water about it and has a whole lot of wellsprings about it. It looks a whole lot like the halls of infusion. Like there there's parallels there, but yeah, I think there's something there where we're going to revisit it. We're going to see it and we're going to, at one point it's all going to click and we're going to go, Oh yeah, that makes sense now. But I think we're going to move on to the next one. And this is um, our giant radioactive friend, Godzilla. Uh, After doing the Ysera Returns quest, I realized that one of the things that Dragonflight is doing is passing the torch from an old gen to the new. Cindergrosa's Simulacrum is mentoring Caligos. Rathian and Sibelian are vying for power. Malithra has become the dreamer, and Chromie is trying to save Norsdomu from becoming Murazond. But what about Alexstrasza? Do you think they introduce a successor for her? We talked about this a little bit earlier. 
I don't know that there is necessarily a successor for her. I don't think there needs to be. What do you think, man? I will say Alex Straza does the job of being the aspect of life extremely well. Uh, I just think being the aspect of life doesn't make you the best best leader for all situations. You know, you don't you don't go to a doctor t- for help with like you know the the muskrats in your yard. I, I mean, there's just there's different jobs for different people. Uh, and Alex Straza is really good at being the, the aspect of life. I hope if they do get their aspect powers back that she gets to do that because that is what she is really good at. Uh, but in terms of having an overall leader, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem if it's her. I just don't think it necessarily has to be her. And I think she's lost enough that you could give her a little bit of a break. I mean, she lost her, all of her consorts, uh, all of her eggs. You know, there's just a few eggs left. All the ones she laid underneath, uh, Wormrest Temple, they're all gone, man. So imagine the state she's in. Uh, she probably could use could use a, a relaxation break. In terms of successor, though, the problem is, is that anybody who would have been her successor is dead. Yeah. Her son's dead. Her daughter's dead. Um, yeah, there's, there's really nobody else to really step up. We, we, there's a major domo there, but we just met that dude. I have no idea what he's like. Um, there's a... Uh, Fine there's choice in visage, drag- though. I appreciate his uh, choosing of a Volpera. There's that one dragon aspect. There's one dragon I won't mention the name of, unless they renamed him, and I don't know what they renamed him to. Uh, but he's the last time we saw that guy, he was being a field marshal in Wormrest. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, certainly doesn't feel like he's set up to be head of the the you know the red dragon the red dragon flight. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't see anybody who's who's going to take. Alex Straza's role and, and run with it. But maybe that's part of the thing is that not everybody needs to be replaced all the time. Like you can allow people to like still do things they're good at. Uh, yeah. Know, like it's just me getting old. Well, no, I mean, I think there's, I think there's something to that, right? Like a passing of the torch story doesn't necessarily have to be a complete replacement story. Right. And we see this all the time in comics and movies and adventures and, and things like that outside of world of Warcraft. So world of Warcraft can definitely adopt that. Like you can have the person or persons that did the job leading or advising the next generation as they fall into their roles. Do you not think that, you know, Melithra is going to need some pointers here and there? I mean, again, Sarah's not going to be here forever. She's got to go back at some point. And while she can get a lot of information from her mom while she's here, Melithra's probably going to look to her aunt and say, how do I do this thing? Can you give me some pointers and help me out? Because those two are really close as, uh, as far as like what they do as well. Like their aspects, the aspect of life and the aspect of the dreamers have always been intertwined. Like not just sisters, but like their flights share similar traits and goals. So having her mentor, you know, these newbies is not a bad idea. She's already been doing it a little bit with Caligos. You know, talking about somebody who's been through some stuff. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Nors Domu, who has witnessed his own death, witnessed the destruction of timelines, witnessed shattering of reality and causing parallel universes to exist and not be snuffed out or raked into the timeline because, you know, Megar orcs are here now, um, who has failed in his duty, watched one of his closest, two of his closest friends die. Uh three of his closest friends because he was there when tear died. Right. Like, or, or was presumed dead. Then Neltharian, then, uh, he, you know, had to deal with the death of, why can't I think of the blue dragon aspects name now? Malagos. Malagos. 
uh, had to deal with that, who, again, they were all close as clutch mates back then. Uh, watch the splintering of his own people as they get lost in time. I mean, literally, that's a story element during leveling with the Time Walkers. Uh, there's a lot on his shoulders, too. Dude deserves a vacation just as much as Alex Straza does. Maybe maybe Alex Straza has it a little bit more. She's been through some different things. Um, I'm not saying either one of them is more is suffering more than the other. I'm just saying straight up. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a case that you kick them out of their job. It's just a case of, you know, maybe switch it to they, they, they don't all have to like both of those Dormu and Alex Trasa suffer heavily from the it's all on me school of, of self-sabotage. Yep. It's very hard for them to reach out to other people. They always try to handle it themselves, even when they're not suited to doing so. So, yeah, it is one of those things. Yeah, and and I'm I'm actually eager to see what they do with that. I'm eager to see uh, what they choose to do, and I'm hoping that we get some. I don't hope we get closure. I'm hoping that the characters get some form of of closure uh, and get some peace in some capacity because. I would be really cool with a happy ending for them for once. All right. I think we're going to move on to our next one, which is from Dan. Uh, I'm currently listening to the speculation regarding the Elemental Lords on Lorewatch episode from the 20th of December. As I type this, it's been quite a while since Cataclysm. Things might have changed in lore since then, but aren't Elikir and Ragnaros dead dead since we killed them on their home planes? Maybe. Shadowlands and a lot of the revelations of Legion and everything that's come in between sort of puts a giant asterisk and question mark on that. We don't know that they actually truly die. I brought this up with the dragons before, but we can bring it up with the elementals. What happens when an elemental dies? Does anybody know? Because they've never said in game. But what if their prisons are a mechanism to trap their anima as well? Because the elementals on Azeroth are very willful, very characterful, and I would argue are as alive as we are. They, to me, would probably produce some pretty powerful anima, but you can't have them escaping their prison all the time, despite the fact that they do, but that's all their story. What if there's a mechanism that forces them to continue to be reborn there? We know that if they die outside of the material, outside of their particular plane or prison, that they just go back to their prison and reform. But we speculate that if we kill them in their home plane, they die. Just like we speculated that demons killed in the Twisting Nether died because we didn't know about Antorus. We didn't have clear information regarding that. Now, I think we're starting to get some of that information because we're starting to understand the nature of the elemental prisons a little bit more as we move through this expansion. But there's nothing that says that they can't be brought back. There's nothing that says that they're not waiting for us or regrowing right now. Ragnaros is getting his, his dancing legs ready. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it now. What do you think, Matt? I, you know, I've been saying for this whole time, I think that the one possibility for the primalist scheme is the ultimately the return of those uh, elemental lords who would be sympathetic to this kind of thing. Like, we're watching what's going on right now, all these elementals running amok, and you still have no idea, like, yo, elemental lords, what are you doing? You know, hey, remember I, when you pledged your service to my shaman? You're supposed to, like be at my beck and call. I've been trying to call you and you're just leaving me on, on red, man. Come on. What's I mean, up? It's, it's quite possible. You could argue that, you know, they did their bit. They helped yeah. in, in Legion and now we're even, but even so you'd still think you could go talk to them or not to them. Maybe not to them directly. Cause kind of like that star Trek, the next generation episode, Garon won't take Picard's calls. Cause he doesn't want to look weak to the other Klingons. 
um, maybe they'll be like, yeah, you can talk to, you can talk to one of my, my people, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're in touch with the elementals. There should yeah. be some form of you going, Hey, what's the dealio? Why I mean, we, are you doing this? We were able to summon uh, Neptulon back from his honeymoon with the octopus. I mean, he showed back up for us at one point. Why can't we do that again? Why can't we just ring him up and be like, Hey, I need some advice or I need to know what's going on. This is sort of your, your deal, right? What, why are, why are things happening? Why are the incarnates doing what they're doing? Who gave them their power? Do you happen to know? It's supposed to be your job to control that stuff, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's telling that when we went back in time, we went back in time to the elementals fighting in the Black Empire, particularly in front of Nazoth, and that three of the four were there because Neptulon was not. Neptalon was absent, but Ragnaros and Alakir and Therizane were absolutely there. We know we're dealing with Neltharion, Lord, or like in his legacy, the Watcher of the Deep Spaces. Deep Spaces lead to Deep Home. There's a connection there between the dragons and Deep Home, always has been, uh, at least the Black Dragonflight in Deep Home. Therizane might have opinions on what happened with the dragons, might have opinions on what happened specifically with, with Deathwing. When he crashed through the and created the maelstrom, right? He did it through her ceiling. Mm-hmm. He messed up her realm. If I were her, I'd be a little mad at the dragons. They caused him to crash there in the first place, and now he decided to bust a door open and and rip a, a hole in reality when she was perfectly content living in her bubble and not messing with mortals. Like unlike the other ones, she seemed perfectly fine to just not deal with us at all. So maybe she has opinions now about that. Who knows? But I do think that even though we've killed them, they're not dead. We'll be, they'll be back 100%. Yeah, I, I like to think of it along the lines of, you know, in the past, we've never seen a being as powerful as an elemental lord die. But keep in mind that we saw what happened with um, Thunderon. Remember what happened to Thunderon? They ripped him apart and consumed him. And we put him back together, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Because he couldn't be completely consumed. Mm-hmm. Ragnaros... And his minions could not consume Thunderon's essence entirely. Thunderon wasn't even an elemental lord. He was the, the offspring of an elemental lord. He was in line to maybe someday be an elemental lord. But he wasn't. Alakir was. And they couldn't destroy him. If they couldn't destroy him, how could they be destroyed? I mean, think about this, think about this way. The only reason we think that they can be destroyed on their own plane is because we can't do it on Azeroth. Mm-hmm. But their own plane isn't theirs anymore. It was changed or even created by the Titan. It's a prison, just like another prison a Titan made once. Remember Mardun? Yep. That's the prison Sargeras made back when he was a full-fledged member of the Pantheon to hold the demons. And he broke it and let them out. So Titans have the power to break these prison dimensions. How do you get them to do it? I mean, we still have that unresolved giant sword in the body of Azeroth, and we don't know what it did or what it pierced, and we know that there's a connection between Azeroth and the Elemental Planes, because clearly the Maelstrom was created by Deathwing blowing through the hole in there. Who knows? There's plenty of ways to break a wall. Yeah, but also, let me think of it this way. What if your entire, like, the whole thing about them dying was just a way to get things to be where they are now? Mm-hmm. Like, think about this. I mean, the people that you put in charge of the elemental planes in their absence were once their followers. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's all very convenient. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 
I don't really have much else to add to that, but I do have one last question that uh, was not in our emails, but I happened to pull out of chat here, and I'm going to go ahead and ask it because uh, we have a little, about a little time left here. Uh, and this is from Hey Talvi. Uh, in your recent Elf episode, uh, which I love, by the way, you're welcome. I was wondering if you think there should be a central Elf hub, or do you think that all Elves should keep their own cities? And if that is the case, where should the Night Elves have their city? Because they clearly can't hang out in Stormwind forever. I know that the lore states they are currently in Hyjal, but surely this doesn't mean they can't have their own city again in-game. I'm going to let Matt take point on this one, uh, because you are more Elf-adjacent than I am these days. Uh, Well, first off, there's nothing saying they couldn't just not have a city. Uh, The Night Elves didn't have a city for 10,000 years. You know, they from the time of, of the, the Sundering to fairly recently, they had towns, they had settlements, they had wide tracts of land that they controlled, but they didn't have a major city. And the building of one, the building of Darnassus, they literally had the world tree you know, planted and it lifted up ruins, which they then rebuilt. You'll notice if you go back to the, uh, I can't remember which time walking, which of the Caverns of Time dungeons it is that sends you back to the, the, the Well of Eternity, but... That one, you'll notice the city that you're in looks pretty similar, except that it's painted Mm -hmm. and Darnassus is all marbly white. That's because they didn't repaint it when they, when they hauled up the stuff out of the, out of the uh, ocean, they didn't recolor it the way they used to. Um, But yeah, that Darnassus was, you know, Darnassus didn't even exist in Warcraft three. They didn't even have a city there. So fairly recent. I think you could make the case that as, as an experiment, it didn't work. Yeah, like it was it was fine up until someone burned the tree down and killed the, like almost all the people on it. I would I would be not be surprised if they decided we're not going to centralize again. We we tried it, uh, you know, for years. Like during that whole bit where where all elves were us, we had cities. We we didn't have them for ten thousand years, and we were fine. As soon as we established a new one, all heck comes. No, we're not doing that again. And just they'll keep they'll keep holding Hyjal. They'll keep holding every place that they currently have. Because um, before I that, imagine, the only other the only other major elf city we know of in history was what Zinashari, right? Um, Zin- there were quite a few, I think, during the time of the Night Elf Empire. Well, uh, Zinashari, slash, you know, Suramar. There were a few others. Um, like Ravencrest's area was considered a city. Obviously, we've seen there's a city in Azuna. But my point is more that after the Empire for ten thousand years, the 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 Kaldari Night Elves, the ones that are the Night Elves today, haven't had a city like. You know, Eldrathalus, that wasn't theirs. They didn't care about it. Right? Up until recently, they, they have not had one. They tried one. It got burned. You know, The tree got burned, and everybody on it died. Now, they don't have to build their next city if they chose to build one on a big tree. It, it is quite possible to, to not build cities on trees. Most people do it. Um, but I think that I could see them definitely going with the mindset of, we're not this. This is what these other groups are. We're not that. And we tried to be that and it didn't work. It ended poorly. Um, yeah. We, we listened to Staghelm. The, the growing of, of Teldrassil was Staghelm's idea. Yeah. It wasn't and sanctioned, right? It was so much his idea that he didn't bother to ask anybody. Yeah, he just did you know, it. Now, was sleeping. Taronda was busy. He just grew the thing because that's his solution to every problem is big tree. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I mean, you could certainly make a case that they could build a new city. If they did, they would probably build it in Hyjal. Uh, probably around the base of, of Nordrazil. but which would make sense because it's a highly defensible position because it's at the top of a freaking mountain. 
Yeah, and anybody trying to get up to you, you know, they're either Good flying luck. up, which you know, they're flying up, so you you know use the wind to blow them down, or you drop rocks on them. Plus, it puts you directly over, like you you can now look down and see Orgrimmar. Yep. So if if the horde ever does try anything again, you can now mobilize right there. Yep. Go hit that. Uh, so it, it is a possibility, uh, but I think it's much more likely that the largest settlements we'll see will be the size of places like Feathermoon Stronghold. Like, and this is just you know who knows. Uh, maybe we'll have, maybe they'll just bring Teldrassil and, and Darnassus back. I don't know. Um, but in, in my mind, what I would like to see is them issuing it and going instead with what they did for so long that worked, you know, being, you know, being dispersed. It's not that there weren't enough night elves, it's that they were dispersed. They didn't all gather in one place. They had little I settlements mean, that are all over the place. Don't you for, go down and you can see the one in, in Silithus even. Yeah. Don't forget like for, for how many thousands of years, Nobody knew the night elves existed. Well, I mean, the people on Kalimdor knew they existed. The Torrent did, and so forth. But well, like humans still, didn't because they never saw them, right? Even if they yeah, were humans to travel. never went over there. Yeah. yeah, humans didn't go over there. But that's the whole thing. It's like if you look at it from the perspective of what they were doing that whole time, they were very clearly not gathering in numbers. They were they were spread out, uh, and it worked for them. Um, so. And they had problems. They had the war of the Satyr. They had the Worgen problem. There were lots of problems, but they dealt with them without necessarily coming together into large armies. And the one time they did was a thousand years ago, the war of the shifting sands. And that didn't go well for them either. You ever notice that when the night elves join, get together in really big armies, it doesn't tend to work out too well for them. Except for Siege of Orgrimmar. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, look, look, look at Archimond yeah. 1.0. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really good at skirmisher tra- tactics. They're good at stealth. They're good at, you know, evoking the power of a loon stuff that doesn't necessarily lend to a disciplined, organized formation. They're not city builders. They've in a way they're not city builders entirely because of the way that the, the high, the high elves and the night porn were city builders mm-hmm. and city maintainers. That's the urban side of the ancient elven people. The night elves were not the urban side. They were the ones who rejected all that. They turned their back on arcane magic. They turned their back on that whole way of life. And they embraced one that was spiritual and naturalistic and lived, lived a dispersed wild lifestyle that that took its cues from nature. Um, now, so that's for them, uh, for the, the, I think everyone should keep their own cities, quite frankly, the ones that have them. I don't. I can't imagine seeing the uh, Blood Elves abandon Quathalas. I would, in fact, yeah. like to see them rebuild a lot of it. However, I think it would be cool if they did have a central location. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like a central hub where like the elves of all kind can like interact with each other. Because Matt and I talked about this before, and I think it's it's something that would speak to me from a storyteller standpoint. Is elves reconnecting with elves right like we're moving past the faction war i mean i'm not saying that the night elves need to forgive and forget go back and listen to our episode that i did that's fine that they don't forgive and don't forget right that that's that would be insane if they just said yeah you burned down our home and killed thousands of people but we're cool with you immediately um but instead have this thing where either something forces them together or they realize that they need the interaction with the other elves to stay on top of what's going on in the world. Because if they're over in Hyjal, they need to keep track of what's happening elsewhere as well. Uh, and maybe making good with uh, a little bit of the blood elves and maybe making good with a little bit of the Nightborn and coming back to common ground and interacting with each other, having cultural exchanges uh, and having something where 
elves get to be elves again without the stratification of the highborn versus everybody else. Um, like I could see something like that really, really working for them and even working as maybe uh, a starting city for in the future for elves in general, where instead of maybe having the silver moon experience or having the uh, Suramar experience, you have the elf moot or something like that, where, you know, your, your coming of age party or, or event, like you're going to join the Rangers or you're going to join like fire striders, or you're going to join the mage corpse or, or you're going to become like a priest. And like all of the elves attend uh, like this, almost like a ceremony of ascension and watch as the next generation of elves take their place in elven culture and society. Like I'd be cool with that. And they probably have some pretty dope auction houses. And I think their take on a tavern would be absolutely ridiculous. If you have, all of them in the same place. Like I could see a void tavern next to like this, the Suramar nightborn tavern and them arguing which magic is better and, and going all out. Like I'd be all about that. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things we haven't really gotten to see a lot of is, you know, elves, not the Sturm and Drang isn't, doesn't have to be part of everything. Uh, it doesn't always have to be, you know, chaos and the world ending. Uh, I think it would be kind of cool to see, you know, uh, a, a blood elf going on and on about arcane magic to a to a, a highborn from Quothala, from um, Eldrathalas, who's like, you know, dude, I I was there, you know, when when that was spell was written. I, I know. How I've I've got the I've got the first edition hardcover like on my shelves. Yeah. And then there's a nightborn who's like, oh yeah, you were there, but you were like third in your class. That's why you were out in the boonies in Eldrathalas while we in Suramar. And you're like, oh yeah, you and Suramar are gonna hear that one again, am I? Oh yes, you and Surmar were what collecting magical artifacts for a crazy woman? Was that what you were doing? Because that sounds like that's what you were doing. And you know, meanwhile, there's a night elf out back in like a in a in a, in a meadow somewhere drinking rock gut. Because that's the thing I always loved about it. If you read the original uh, Warcraft three book, is the description of of night elf society as being basically lunatics. They like not lunatics as in the the colloquial term. They were wild literally elves. moon crazed. Yeah. Yeah, wild elves. They weren't. They looked like drow, but they were wild elves. And I'd love to see that that stuff come back more to the fore. I'd like to see them like we're we're not doing that city thing anymore, and we're definitely going back to like you know being like if 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 WoW had barbarians, they half of them would be you know would be night elves. I mean, I've seen that cutscene with Taronda. She is she is buff. She could absolutely go she's barbarian. Jacked. Yeah, she's yeah. definitely you know she has been working out. So yeah, I, I definitely think in, in in a lot of ways I'd like to see the elves get to have conflict that is not necessarily violent or aggressive. You know, yeah, like we, we talk like we that. talk about cultural conflict, like that's ripe for it, right? It's the diversity of the elves is like we got to see it with the trolls, right? We got to see it with the trolls in battle for Azeroth when we were in Dazar Lore. You got to see the different factions interact with each other, ones that we had been fighting, granted. But like it was a really cool experience, at least from uh, from my point of view, seeing these disparate factions interacting with each other uh, in the like the gaze of the Zandalari, and it, to no surprise, really, sort of mimics and in, in is parallel to elves, right? Like elves definitely come from trolls. We know that much, and now we can see where the parallels are. So giving them something that like reclaims a bit of their, their past and lets them have those cultural conflicts and having it be nonviolent uh, or, you know, and not world ending, but having it be weighty, having it have gravitas, having it have importance. 
I think it would be fun. It would be good. It would give the elves something that they've been sorely lacking. Um, and I mean, we'll eventually get to the point where gnomes are going to get that too at some point, I'm sure. And it'll make certain people very happy um, because gnomes are getting very much to do somewhat of the same thing with between the mechanomes and regular gnomes. But that's a topic for another episode. Regular gnomes, regular gnomes, regular gnomes, regular gnomes. <laughs> but I think that's going to do it unless there's anything else you want to add, Matt. Regular gnomes. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the Q and an ads free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this podcast or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or one of our various channels on discord. Uh, if you have not checked it out, we have released a tavern watch this month with another one coming out in a, probably a few weeks. Um, lots of things going on in the tabletop world. We couldn't resist. Uh, we have a, another live play episode of our D and D coming, uh, into the weirs coming out with the wonderful Matt Rossi, uh, jamming this particular segment of it. Uh, and my very strange dwarven Warforge, which I'm very excited to, to get some more time with. Uh, and, uh, yeah, with that, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.